Hey, what's up, y'all, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to A New Dominion, a podcast where we look to have progressive conversations here in the Commonwealth. I am one of your hosts for tonight, Edwin Santana. And I'm Aideli Okewa. And we have got a great show lined up for you guys, so let's jump right into this. We were recording this uh, episode on Tuesday, July 10th, and let's jump right into the news. But uh, first, man, what what's going on with you? You got some new stuff going on? Yeah, so uh, I've been... I've been uh, pretty busy as of late. Um, I've always been on Facebook and Twitter, so most people know, but I'm now managing uh, my friend Mo Saifuddin's uh, campaign for city council. Uh, so he's uh, he's in the city of Alexandria. He did all the hard work and won a primary, and I'm just uh, jumping on the bandwagon now. So Yeah, one, one thing I remember about Mo, you introduced me to him, what, a year ago now? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so that so that was like a year ago. You introduced me to Mo, and he asked that I come out and do his introduction for his campaign kickoff. And it was like this awesome thing at the old um, Alexandria City. Like City Hall. City Hall, Town Square, thing like that. He had like music and all this stuff set up. And he had me, this like no-name dude running for Congress out there. I go up to introduce him. I, I mean, I, I feel bad. I didn't do the guy justice. His story is awesome. He's an immigrant. Um, he has his own law firm now. Like, his story is just awesome. And if you sit down and talk to him, we're going to interview him here soon. Um, and I can't wait to tell you his story and how he won the primary. Like, that dude knocked on probably, like, every door in Alexandria yeah. to win that primary. Um, like, right in, the middle of, right in the middle of summer during Ramadan, he was knocking on doors like, that's freaking awesome, um, and I can't wait to talk to him and ask him about that as well. So that's cool that you're there helping out Mo. He's a great guy. Um, he'll do a great job on the city council yeah. as well. What's um, going on with you? Some new stuff for me. So as of a couple hours ago, I am an official resident of Fredericksburg. We just bought a house down in Idlewild, the, the village down there, and we're pretty excited. Um, our family's been growing, and we're kind of running out of space in the house that we're in now. So we're moving into a place that's a little bit bigger. We're going to be more comfortable down there. It's good for the family, good for the dogs. We're excited. We just signed the papers for that today. So we'll be moving nice. a little bit farther south in uh, in the district into Fredericksburg. Um, Fredericksburg went big for us during the campaign this year, so yeah. it'll be nice down there. Uh, You're moving to a safe space. I'm, mo- I'm moving to- <laughs> I'm moving into the liberal bastion that is Fredericksburg, so I can be in a liberal safe space. Shout out to Fredericksburg. Shout out to Fredericksburg and all my fellow snowflakes. So <laughs> let's jump right into news. Um, it's it's Tuesday, and yesterday we got the news finally of who Donald Trump was going to appoint for uh, the open Supreme Court case now or Supreme Court seat now that Justice Kennedy is stepping down and. Um, yeah, what do you think, man? Brett Kavanaugh, what do you know about him? What What do you think about the appointment? What do you What did you think about the reality TV announcement that is Donald Trump and everything that he does? What did you think about the announcement? I mean, I'm I'm so I'm so tired of this TV show. I'm so, <laughs> like, I'm so tired of it. Uh, I didn't know I didn't know anything about this guy. Um, I think the people had been talking about him for a while uh, because he was on that on that list of like 25. Yep. Uh, potential nominees that was provided to him by, you know, an interest group. I think it was like the Federalist Society or something like that. Two, the Federalist Society and the Heritage Foundation. Yeah, yeah. And then on top of that, he uh, he clerked for uh, Justice Kennedy. Yep. Um, so that, that made him 
that that pushed him higher on on the list. Something he has in common with Neil Gorsuch. Exactly. Yep. What, what a coincidence. Um, but yeah, that was that was really all I knew about him. Uh, based on the people that put together the list, I figured uh, he was pretty right wing. Uh, he was not too apolitical as a Supreme Court justice should be. Um, but yesterday, while watching the announcement at nine p.m. Eastern time, yeah, uh, that was the first time I'd, I'd ever uh, seen him or listened to him talk. Um, of course, you get all the takes and all the profiles after the fact, and yeah, he. he his, the pick makes sense. It makes sense. He's he's a DC guy. He he's pretty establishment. That's one thing that surprised me about about yeah. Donald Trump. He's a pretty establishment dude. I know he's been on the DC uh, Circuit Court of Appeals mm-hmm. for a dozen years now. Yeah, uh, he's been there forever. He's got a long paper trail. He was he clerked for Ken Starr. Yeah, yeah. Uh, during Whitewater, he was a staff secretary underneath George Bush. Yeah, people so call them. I saw Republicans calling him the Forrest Gump of the Republican <laughs> Party because he basically played a part in like every major piece of Republican history over the last like twenty years. Uh, so I mean, it's he. I I wouldn't if if I'd seen his profile and resume, I wouldn't have picked him as Trump's nominee. But it makes sense, you know. He's a he's an interest group kind of guy. Oh, definitely. Um, Trump did not spend, you know. 50 to 60 hours scouring the country for a Supreme Court justice, <laughs> interviewing people. This is not the you know, one. You know what's funny is one of the first things that um, that Judge Kavanaugh said in his speech was no president has interviewed more extensively <laughs> or looked through more people than he did. First off, why the hell is the judge talking about that? Why, why is that something that he's talking about? That's that's ridiculous. Yeah. But and, and that's like, that's... That's a common thread with with uh, a lot of people who interact with Trump. Everything everything's got to be the biggest, yeah, or yeah. the best, or the most. It's like everything has to be superlative. It has to be the. It's just ridiculous. So I was blown away when he saw that. And another thing that stood out to me during the speech because I listened to the speech, it was very. He talked about his mama a lot. He talked about um, his daughters. Yeah, his daughters. he talked about his daughters a lot. So. To me, he was very clearly trying to make a case towards liberals and liberal senators. Um, he's already got conservatives shored up. All 51 senators, um, he's got pretty shored up. He's trying to win over one of the three senators that voted for Neil Gorsuch. So, Donnelly, Joe Manchin, Manchin yeah, and um, Claire McCaskill. Yeah, McCaskill. Because I, I, not Heidi Heidkamp, I don't think. But Claire McCaskill. So those three. He's trying to win over one of those three. And I thought his speech was very tailored to that. Other than other than the intro when he was talking like very Trumpian, like, oh, nobody's interviewed more. I thought it was fairly standard for a speech. Yeah, I mean, like, <coughs> again, I'd never heard him before. I'd never seen yeah. him speak before. If, if that, you know, what was it, 20-minute speech? If that 20-minute yeah. speech was all I know about uh, Brett Kavanaugh, and I didn't look him up today, I didn't research anything, I didn't see anything on the news, I would think, oh, you know, it's a nice family guy. Uh, he's 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 grounded. His parents uh, are hard workers. They raised him in a diverse city. He, he grew up in D.C. Uh, his mom worked at, a, at um, McKinley Tech, which is... Uh, predominantly black high school in the city. So, so if you watch that twenty minutes of him talking, you think, okay, this is this is a reasonable pick. But as we know, um, 
Donald Trump is not picking reasonable Supreme Court justices. No, and every single one of the justices that was on that list of 25, they've all been cleared by the Heritage Foundation and the Federalist Society as people who are going to undermine Roe v. Wade every single step of the way. They're going to be pro-big business. Mm -hmm. They've already been... (coughs) Excuse me. They've already been vetted for all that. So that way Donald Trump doesn't have to. Donald Trump can't read in the first place. Um, so they did all the work. So all he had to do was like kind of close his eyes and like draw a judge's name out of the hat. Or uh, he picked Neil Gorchus because he was like young and like a good looking dude. Like all the dumbest reasons. You or, could... or Justice Kennedy picked him. We'll, we'll, we'll get that later. Oh, you know, we could jump right into that now. That's one thing we want to talk about. I saw like news reports that broke... I thought I saw them late last night, but it might have been early this morning, yeah. saying that Justice Kennedy has been in talks negotiating with the Trump White House for a while now about his replacement. A few things on that. One, and I saw this take on Twitter as well, it is ridiculous that a judge can use their lifetime appointment to kind of hold leverage. Like, oh, you don't want to pick somebody who I would be okay with? Maybe I'll hold out until 2021 when a Democratic president is sworn. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous that... Supreme Court judges have that, not even Supreme Court, every judge that is appointed, whether it's a federal circuit judge or whatever, they all have lifetime appointments and they can use that power against people. So that's absurd. But it's also one, I think, wholly inappropriate that a Supreme Court justice was doing that. Wholly inappropriate. It just shows me now that the Supreme Court is basically just another arm of the Republican Party. Yeah, yeah. I mean, after uh, Justice Kennedy announced that he was retiring, you know, some stories started coming out that, yeah. you know, his son works for Deutsche Bank. Yeah, that's all, That's weird. Yeah, he managed loans to, you know, the Trump Organization. Yeah. It came out that, you know, Justice Kennedy had to be, uh, that Trump Team Trump was putting pressure on him to uh, retire uh, so that Trump could quickly get that second uh, appointment. And so even... Even when did that story come out? You know, ten days ago. Even yeah. when those stories were coming out, I was thinking, okay, this is weird. But what came out le- late last night, this morning? That's just the cherry on the top. This, this, this whole imagined uh, institution that we have of this apolitical branch of government that you know is a lifetime appointment that weathers you know the political winds, et cetera, et cetera. That's pretty much gone. No, like, that, yeah, that that's all gone now. You can, you can look at which party appointed which Supreme Court justices and within a very, very um, <coughs> high degree of certainty, you can know how that judge is going to, yeah. um, how they're going to vote. With a few minor hiccups here and there, Justice Roberts has disappointed Donald Trump. He said that in a few inter- interviews because he upheld the Affordable Care Act. Um, Justice Kennedy voted to legalize um, same-sex marriage, something mm-hmm. that Justice Roberts... It, it scares me that Justice Roberts is now the the most moderate yeah. of all the Supreme Court justices, but yeah, I don't know. It's not good. It's not good. The, the thing, there's not a lot. We talked about this before. There's not a lot that Democratic senators can do, but they need to raise hell. They need to fight. They need to do everything they can um, to show that they're putting up a fight to give people hope because yeah. that's really the only thing they can do. If they just roll over and Brett Kavanaugh gets by with 58, 59 votes or something like that. There's no political, there's no good, I don't see any way smart politics says Joe Manchin should vote for Donald Trump's Supreme Court pick. What, what voter 
in West Virginia is just like, man, you know what? I just, I've been really thinking about voting for um, Joe Manchin, but he didn't vote for Brett Kavanaugh. So you know what? No, I'm going to vote for whoever the heck he's running against. I don't, yeah. even, I don't even know who's in West Virginia. Find me that find me that swing voter who's voting based off of how people vote for Supreme Court picks. Find yeah. that person for me, and then maybe we can we can readjust. But I don't think there's any reason. What's more dangerous is if they vote for Donald Trump's pick, and like the Democratic base that people like Joe Manchin are going to need to yeah. win. Yeah, they're just like, hey, you know what? Screw it. Like, why am I even going to bother coming out of exactly. this dude? if this dude doesn't give a crap how we feel one way or another. So I don't see any any smart reason to vote for this pick. Yeah, and it seems like a another silver lining, or a silver lining, I should say. Um, Kavanaugh is not, he's he wasn't Trump's, like, base's favorite. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, you know... He's establishment, man. Yeah, he's establishment. He's a, he's a swamp monster. Yeah, he's a swamp monster, exactly, exactly. And he... He's previously been in a presidential uh, administration. Yeah. Uh, so Democrats in Congress can actually use that to kind of slow walk the process. They can go through all of his communications while he's in the administration, all of his emails, all of his he w- opinions, writings. He was everything. the staff secretary under the Bush administration. So, you know, think about all the stuff that they WMDs, yeah. um, torture, Guantanamo Bay, Abu Ghraib, yeah. like. Think of all of those things that happened during the Bush administration. Um, and as a staff secretary, you know that he saw a lot of those. He was involved in a lot of those email chains. All those um, should be made public. Yeah. They're part They're part of the record. They have to be saved. Mm-hmm. Um, let's make those public. Let's see how Brett Kavanaugh felt back in the early 2000s underneath George Bush as a staff secretary. I think we could gleam a lot of information from that. Yeah, and we already know that he flip-flopped on you know, kind of the presidential power or the president's ability to be subpoenaed or indicted. So, I mean, I'm sure there's more he's flipped on. So yeah. let's, let's, let's drag it all out and, you know, make this last till November, December. Yeah, exactly. Like we said, one way senators got, senators have to fight Yeah. for this one. Okay. Um, I want to talk, there's some big primary news going on down in the second congressional district. Sean Brown, who was the democratic candidate for Congress, in 2016, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, how did she do? She lost by a lot. Yeah, she got crushed. Yeah. Um, I also heard she had some problems. Can you uh, enlighten some of our viewers or some of our listeners on the problems that she ran into? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so currently, Sean Brown is being federally indicted. Oh. Uh, she, I, I can't tell you the exact year that this happened, but she uh, used to be a federal uh, government contractor. Um, she owned her own business and she had some contracts with the government and long story short uh, she's been indicted for fraud whoopsie daisy yeah so she she has some she has some problems bigger than this election yeah Um, but they can't be too bad if she had enough time to get signatures (laughs) and get get on the ballot though am i right so i mean so she actually she didn't get enough signatures to be on the primary ballot um this is not a problem we had, so I don't know what the exact rules are, but she's somehow on the general ballot, so maybe she collected enough signatures to get on that. I don't know. I gotta, I gotta do some research. As an, in, so she was trying to get on for the Democratic primary, but she didn't make it. She didn't get the thousand. But so she got enough signatures to be on the general ballot as an independent. Well, yeah, which I'd assume is more than a thousand. It should be. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. she had more time, so. 
Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> yeah, but either way, that's not a good. That's not a good look for the second. Um, no, you know. in a ra- in a race that could be very very close. Yeah. Um, they got a good candidate down there in Elaine Loria. I've met. I've met Commander Loria. I know she was a commander in the Navy. I've met her um, down in Williamsburg. Very smart woman, hardworking. I think she's going to um, give Scott Taylor a run for his money, but in a race that could come down to a point, yeah, you don't want an independent who, um, before the damn primary, or before the general election, she could be in prison. Yeah. Um, you don't want her stealing a few, couple hundred, couple thousand votes away, and that's the difference between picking up a seat here in Virginia or Scott Taylor hanging on... Um, hanging on barely so yeah. that that that's not a, that's not a good look yeah sean brown i don't know i don't know what she's doing there um not a not a good look that that's too bad i hope that means the rest of us have to do all that we can to make a bigger cushion for elaine Loria down there yeah. in a second we have yeah. to make sure that it's not close so that way whatever sean brown manages to leech away um we can we can make up for that difference yeah and in spite of in spite of her problems she has supporters uh, I, I I see them online. They're 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 pretty passionate about her. And again, that's not that's not good for the overall race. No, uh, it's not good at all. Cause you know, she she may have the she may have a good platform. She she might be a good person. Who knows? But at the end of the day, she's gonna ruin this for everyone. I don't know like, if she, I if I hear another stupid locker up chant. <laughs> if I hear another locker up chant, I'm gonna be. That's not beneath Scott Taylor. Either. <laughs> no, it's not beneath. It's not beneath Scott Taylor. One thing I, I want to jump back on the Supreme Court pick again. There's nothing worse than listening to Donald Trump read from a teleprompter because you know all he wants to be doing is like going through like his greatest hits of just racist <laughs> stuff. So he wants to be talking about Mexicans and the border wall. Emig- he wants immigrants are snakes. Yeah, he wants to be leading everybody in a locker up chant like but he can't do any of that when he's like making he looks, fun of John McCain. He looks like a POW trying to read <laughs> trying to read from a teleprompter. Um, I don't think he reads very well in the first place and he's definitely struggling to read a boring speech wrote by a racist Stephen Miller. Yeah, so his head speech um, writer. Yeah, his head speech writer. All right, moving on down. Uh, I want to talk about this is not an isolated incident. We keep seeing this all over the Commonwealth, but more KKK um, flyers popping up in Bristow. This is something we see all over the place. We saw it in Fredericksburg. We've seen it, where was that, in Westmoreland? down Westmoreland. In, in, in yeah. our boy um, Rob Whitman's backyard yeah. um, down there. This is nuts to me, man. It, it, we saw this in Charlottesville in 2017. Like, re- Things are getting so bad now that the KKK doesn't even need to wear hoods anymore. These guys are just walking out. No, their hoods are replaced by khakis. And, I mean, they're just, like, dropping recruitment flyers all over the place. And if you look at who the Republican Senate candidate is, I mean, it looks like it's open season on just being blatantly racist. That's yeah. what that's the vibe I get from Corey Stewart. And you can see what people like Donald Trump and Corey Stewart, what that leads to here in Virginia. It leads to KKK flyers. It leads to rallies in Charlottesville. Like, what what can we do about it? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely emboldened. Um, one thing we have to, and we, we talked about this last time. Um, you mentioned Charlottesville. Last year uh, in July in Charlottesville, uh, Antifa protesters and just people anti-Nazis got criticized. Which should be everybody. Right. Everybody should be anti-Nazi. Exactly. They got criticized for 
for protesting the Nazis. You know, they 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 got uh, civility lectures. Uh, they got told to you know you can't you can't f- uh, fight fire with fire. You can't fight hate with hate. I hate Nazis. Yeah. I hate I hate white supremacists. Uh, I hate people who um, politic and traffic and hate. I hate that. And I, we've seen decade after decade in this country, you can't try to have a moral argument with with white supremacists. With for someone who thinks you're not human, they, yeah, you can't. You can't. There's no. There's should, no should, both sides to that argument. Should we convince them that we're human? No. What should we do? So it's like we're we're at a stage in our country. We're at a point in our country's history where you know. We have to we have to be extremely active and vigilant to reject and people use the word the phrase reject all the time. Rejecting is not you know typing on Facebook oh, this isn't good. Yep. Uh, it's not you know talking to your fellow liberal friends that oh this is really bad. It's it's going out there and rejecting it. Yep. It's it's telling Nazis to <laughs> it's telling neo Nazis white supremacists etc etc to their face that you know this this I do not tolerate this. Yep. Um, now I don't I don't support any kind of violent protests or violent actions or anything like that. But I do support people uh, openly rejecting this kind of ideolo- ideology, and that's that's what we have to do. And we have to we have to be loud and we have to be uh, active about it. What do you think? No, I, I definitely agree. There's um, get that, fired up. That's something you should stand up against. Like uh, Nazi should be a simple one. And um, I absolutely agree. It's going to take more. Those guys have like perfected being trolls on the internet. Yeah. Those dudes who um, are neo Nazis and do all that, they're like trolls on the internet. You're going to be able to beat them there. We're mm-hmm. going to have to out organize, get out there, and just spread our message better. Yeah. And our message is better. Like, it is. That's, that's the good thing. It shouldn't take too much convincing. We just have to get out there and spread that message to people um, that we're out there, that we care. That this is what the party can do. That these are what our great candidates and stuff stand for. We have to help spread that message um, and just make sure that it's louder. Make sure that it's louder than what they're trying to do. But I want to move on. We just we had July Fourth last week, and in the news, found out that a group of senators uh, and a Republican congressman, of all places, where do you think they decided to spend the birthday of our nation? Philadelphia? No. Good guess. D.C.? Uh, no. Good guess. Maybe like the heartland, the, the Midwest? The Midwest, where all the real Americans live. <laughs> um, not, no, not in flyover country. I'll tell you. They decided to spend the birthday of our nation in Russia. In Russia. With, <laughs> first off, I don't even know what the hell they were doing there. First. Like, I, I haven't even been able to get to the point of why they decided to go. I read a bunch of articles about it, and I could still not figure out why they were there. And on July 4th. Yeah. Like, why Why on July 4th? Why are you taking, like, a junket on July 4th to, like, go chill with Vlad um, at the Kremlin? Like, maybe they're getting their marching orders for how they're supposed to behave come with the upcoming elections. Yeah. But it doesn't make any sense, man. Like, what, what are they doing going to Russia on July 4th? Honestly, they... And I, I, I kind of noticed this... Uh, this this has been going on longer than 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 Trump. I saw I saw this happening in the last administration. Um, the majority of Americans are well, I'll say the majority of America is liberal leaning. Um, 
Republicans are have been trying to fight that. Uh, they've they've lost their soul. They've lost their way, and they don't have any ideas. So rather than uh, you know kind of trading ideas, they have to just find support, and it doesn't matter where the support is. Uh, we saw Bibi uh, Net and Yahoo come to this yep. country and speak to to you know a Republican Congress, disrespecting Barack Obama. Exactly, yep. exactly, and and conservatives in this country cheered that. Yep. Um, we, uh, we had a bunch of a bunch of the Senate or both houses of Congress sent a letter. Yeah. To um, Iran. Iran, exactly. Trying to undermine the Iran nuclear deal that Barack Obama and John Kerry put together. Exactly. So those boundaries no longer exist. Yep. Um, and they realize now that Russia is a big ally of conservatives in America. And so what better place to spend July 4th than with your, with some of your strongest, most powerful supporters. Than with your boy Vlad in, in Russia. It's just, it's just ridiculous. I think part of it's just to troll libs. Yeah. You know, you know, they're just, that's half of the stuff, half the reason, Donald Trump, I think half of the things he does is just to troll libs, yeah. just to just to trigger us. Yeah, and the uh, and the worst part is, uh, Putin wouldn't even meet with them. Yeah, he, he literally he, he literally told them, "I'm too busy." He doesn't want to spend time with those freaking guys. <laughs> like, uh, who are some of the who are some of the people that probably Rohrabacher probably went over there? It's like yeah. Ron Johnson was there. Ron Johnson, no one wants to Senator Ron. Johnson. No one wants to hang out with Senator Ron Johnson. Yeah. And and what makes it seem like it's funny. We, we laugh at it, but then there's like the, the, the potentially nefarious side of it, because I think it was either yesterday or today, Ron Johnson was over here kind of downplaying yeah, he's saying we need No, he was saying we need to start to roll back some of the sanctions because they're not working. Yeah, yeah. Like within a week of coming back from Russia, yeah, he's because, talking about removing sanctions. Because interfering in an election, it's, it's a big deal, but it's not that big of a deal. Right? Yeah. All right. The the this this whole Trump Republicans Russia thing it's like I don't want to be I don't want to be um, like some of the people like the Krasensteins on Twitter just yeah. caps lock all, <laughs> all caps just tweeting Russia Trump Russia Trump Russia Trump but it's like everything they do leads me to the conclusion that there's like something behind yeah, behind all, the curtains all all these crimes are being committed out in the open yeah like. Uh, it's not even that hard to connect the dots. They're all being, they're all being committed out in the open. Yeah. What's 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 that thing, um, that like philosophical uh, tool like Occam's, Occam's, ra- yeah, exactly. Occam's razor? Yeah. Which basically means like the most simple explanation is, yeah, probably the right one. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely what's happening here. Yeah. Um, you could hire like one of the best fiction writers in the world, and they couldn't write you a plot. As stupid <laughs> as what's actually happening right now. Like, like you see the news stories and you're like, "This is stupid. This like, is dumb." Like no fiction writer after all this would be like, "You know what? Let's send a bunch of Republican senators and elected representatives to Russia on, on July fourth. On July fourth. <laughs> and then also my favorite part of that was some of them were uh, were, were tweeting out like you know standard July fourth messages. Saying you know I can hear the fireworks or you know I, I love I love looking outside on July. 4th. It's like you're you're in Moscow. Yeah, you're in Moscow. Their staffers messed up on that one. Yeah. All right. Uh, I want to touch quick on uh, I know <clears throat> Trump before he before he heads over to speak with Vlad, um, kind of just catch up on what what the the elected representatives were talking to Vlad about this previous week. I know he's got to check in with NATO. 
um, and stuff like that. How long do you think it is before they before he decides to pull out of NATO? You think that happens? Uh, I think he's definitely talked about it a lot behind closed doors. NATO is one of the most successful defensive alliances of all time. We have had NATO allies fight and die with us in recent conflicts. Afghanistan. Yeah. In Afghanistan, they're still in Afghanistan. My wife, who deployed to Afghanistan, has a NATO ribbon um, and medal from her time serving over there. Um, and someone can fact check me on this later, but I believe the United States after September 11th is the only country to invoke article five where an attack on one country is an attack on all. And that's why our allies came to help us out in Afghanistan. I believe we're the only country to ever invoke that. That sounds about right. Um, but here we are like treating everybody like a bunch of jerks. Donald Trump talks about how countries don't pay their price, um, for defense and all sort of stuff. He doesn't realize that a lot of the stuff that the United States does for people who are interested in learn um, about these things, if he took a second to listen to some of his national security advisors, he'd realize that we protect Americans by keeping things safe in yeah. some of these areas. That's why we have a vested interest in keeping South Korea safe. Um, and we keep troops in Japan to help to help keep North Korea in check. We do these things to help keep us safe, but he can't see past that. And when he talks about how other countries don't, um, they don't pay their fair share, I'll counter that with, I mean, I personally don't think life has any value or meaning to Donald Trump or else he wouldn't have been ripping kids away from their families. Um, he wouldn't be calling anybody animals or all this other stuff. But a lot of these countries have had hundreds um, of people, combined thousands of people die in Afghanistan. Yeah. He's probably willing to put a price on that. Yeah. But I know that if we have countries out there who will go to war with us and they will send some of their young men and women, their children off to die um, to support the United States, that's putting, that's putting like not your money where your mouth is, but that's putting your body on the line. Yeah. Um, but he can't see past that. Yeah. He can't, all he sees, all he's known his whole life is dollar signs. That's yeah. all he understands is dollar signs. He doesn't know a damn thing about service especially military service. So he can't appreciate the fact that yes, some of these countries have actually um, gone there and fought and died alongside us troops. So yeah. I, I think before four years is up, we, we pull out of NATO, just like we pulled out of Paris climate agreement, Iran nuclear deal, um, trying to pull out a NAFTA. I don't know if, if that's going to freaking happen. But. Yeah. I mean, I think on, t- on top of him, not understanding uh, the importance of NATO and uh, what, what important role they play in in our foreign policy? The United States, the United States getting out of NATO, is in his best interest. It's not in our best interest as a country, but it's in his best interest because uh, if we leave NATO, that benefits who? It benefits uh, Russia. Yeah, Russia, the, Vladimir Putin. The if, whole treaty was designed as a defense against Russia. Exactly, it, it benefits. Uh, Hungary, the far right parties in yep. Hungary, it benefits uh, the AFD in Germany. Uh, it benefits uh, organizations and countries that uh, are trying to push anti-immigrant uh, policies and agendas yep. in Europe, um, which is aligned with Donald Trump and the Republican Party yep. in this country. And again, he's he's super transactional. He's extremely transactional, and he sees okay. NATO uh, doesn't like Russia. NATO doesn't like the immigration policies that I like. So I don't like NATO. Yep. 
and the 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 issue about you know the the countries in NATO not paying their fair share the the two percent two percent of their GDP, he's not the first president to bring that up. Uh, almost every single president has has brought that up since NATO's inception. But every other president has, like you said, has seen the other side of it. Yeah. That I'll bring it up, you know, when we meet. But at the same time, I understand the benefit that NATO uh, is to to the United States. Yeah. And the important role that they play, and it's absolutely necessary that we remain in NATO and that NATO remains strong. But you know, Donald Trump is uh, he's America first, but we all know he's he's Trump first. Yeah, so. he's Donald Donald Trump first. America first is BS. To yeah. Him. Yeah. Um. All right. On that note, I want to close out like we always do. Oh, no, we, we have more questions. We have oh. more qu- our, our boy Rich Heldman has a lot of questions. Oh, we your, gotta, boy, your boy Rich Heldman. Let's hear yeah, it. We got to answer some of these questions. So, <coughs> all right. The first question. Winners of uh, Virginia CD primaries received ten to 30,000 votes to win the nomination. In the general election, depending on the district, winners will have to garner 180 to 190,000 votes. How can they make that happen? Get out the vote. <clears throat> Excite. This goes along with like what I talked about last time in district where you had some contested primaries. Things got a little bit testy, like here in the first. I would recommend you shore up Democratic support first. Make sure everybody's locked and loaded and ready to go. Um, and then you just get out there and get people excited. You find a strong progressive message that gets people excited and gets them up and out to vote. And you drive that message home day in and day out from now until November 6th, you knock on apps as many doors as you absolutely can. Um, and that's how you get to whatever that magical win number is. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, there's going to be, inc- there's going to be an automatic increase in, uh, voter turnout. Yeah. Um, just because more, I mean, we saw this in the primary people showed up on election day just because they didn't know the candidates, but they knew there was a primary. Yeah, and that'll be multiplied on you know general election yeah, day. Yeah, because people are used to voting in November. Yeah, exactly. So people will show up, but uh, that doesn't guarantee that you know Democrats will win just because more people are showing up. Yeah, you like just like you said, uh, we we have to absolutely hit the hit the ground. We have to knock on doors. We have to phone bank. We have to write postcards. We have to donate. Uh, we have to put in the effort because uh, it, it's. Especially in the first district, it's going to be, I, I'm guessing it's going to be pretty close. Uh, and we need to be able to put uh, Vanjie over the top uh, by putting the work in. So, um, that, Rich, to answer your question, that, that's how it's going to happen. Um, let's see. There's, all right, I, let's do two more questions from Rich. Uh, so, Donald Trump continuously alienates anyone and everyone with his abrasive attitude and arbitrary policies. That's pretty much a fact, not currently in dispute. Yet, time after time, the polls show that his base is about 41% of the electorate. Tell us, what is the difference between the Trumpist chances of success in state or district elections versus the national election? Well, I mean, we've already seen his chances of success. I have a pretty good feeling that the congressional districts are going to go the same exact way the House of Delegates districts did here in Virginia. We were able to pick up 15 seats, even in seats that are highly gerrymandered, and we came close in others. So I think we're going to see that same result in November of this year. We're going to see it around the country. Um, voter backlash. People, Virginia, we got lucky. We got to voice our frustration in November of 2017. But a lot of these Democrats in states around the country have been, they've had to wait. Mm-hmm. They don't have elections every single year. They've only got them on even years. Yeah. <coughs> so they're ready to get that frustration out and vote. So I expect 
overwhelming victories um, in the House, uh, or yeah, in, in the House of Representatives. Um, the Senate is much more difficult just based off of how many Democratic senators are up for re-election this year as opposed to Republicans. And, um, yeah, I, I, that's how I think it's going to happen. People are fired up and still ready to vote. Yeah, and and I get, I, I get what, uh, what direction that Rich is heading in. Seeing seeing Trump's approval rating at 41% is disheartening. Yeah. Because you think, all right, this is the craziest president I've ever seen in my lifetime. And open the history books, watch a documentary on Netflix. It's like, this might be the craziest president since, like, the 20th or 19th century. So, like, Andrew Jackson? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so you, you you try to reconcile his approval rating with his actions, and you, it doesn't make sense. But at the end of the day, 41% is not good. Um, we have a pretty successful economy right now. Um, as far as the global uh, climate, things are generally peaceful. Um, so it's, objectively speaking, America is in decent shape. It's not like we're in a, a massive... Well, you know, you know what? I, I, I'll, I'll say this. The economy does not guarantee success because Barack Obama handed off a fantastic economy um to donald trump like that should have supported the party in power a strong economy yeah well (laughs) i I think yeah and i definitely agree with that i think what rich is trying to say is why is he at 41 percent and not like 20 percent? i think if we were in a recession if the jobs reports were flatlining if uh well he's doing his best yeah i mean look, the tariff policies that he's putting in place now yeah. he's doing his best look, to I, screw up the I don't economy. i don't want to be pessimistic but everything he's doing is is potentially sending us you know towards yeah. a recession if not worse yeah but you know right where we are right now um if there was a recession uh if the jobs report was flatlining if say we were in a major conflict with korea with you know boots on the ground things like that yes and compounded with the crazy things he does on a daily basis his approval uh, rating would be around, you know, 20, 15, 10%. But he's lucky. He's lucky. Like you said, President Obama handed him a very good economy. If he would have gotten the economy that Barack Obama got in 2009, yeah. his, he probably would have been impeached by now. Yeah, he would, have been, he would have been impeached by now if he would have gotten an economy on the brink yeah. of collapse and a global economy, like, going down the toilet. Exactly. But at the end of the day, a 41%... Of Americans support uh, the president and the head of the Republican Party, regardless of what kind of person Trump is, that's good for Democrats. That means that uh, if we show up, we will win. It means that Republicans are not not that happy either, and Democrats are uh, way more fired up. So to answer your question, Rich, uh, he can remain at forty one percent. He could probably even get up to like forty five percent. Republicans will still continue to lose in elections if we put the work in. Yep. Um, all right, and then one more. Um, Blue Virginia uh, does a fantastic job, and if you don't know what Blue Virginia is, it's uh, a community. Uh, pro- it's a progressive community uh, kind of news blog uh, founded by uh, Lowell. What's Lowell's last name? Feld. Feld. Yeah, Lowell Feld. He's based out of Arlington, uh, but it's, it's a really great website. You should check it out. Uh, but it does a fantastic job, in Rich's opinion, of presenting issues, summarizing news, and a very professional. J- job along the way tell me why the heck there aren't more people looking at their page and becoming involved yeah i, I, I we looked at their page there we were his first congressional endorsement we like what he does there um 
it's fun to read. He stays entertaining. And honestly, like, what we're trying to do with this podcast is to try and mirror that, too. So I know at least he inspired us a little bit to do kind yeah. of something like that, a newsy podcast that yeah, and there's nothing, you have some fun with. Yeah, and there's nothing and there's nothing like what he has over there in, in the Commonwealth. Uh, it's yeah. kind of a one-stop shop for not just local uh, Virginia politics, but, you know, national news, too. And um, like we said earlier, a lot of people contribute to it uh, with lots of different interesting takes. So, yeah, it's a good it's a good platform. And uh, like you said, we're trying to trying to kind of mirror that a little bit in a podcast format. Yep. All right. Um, since we are running long today, I want to wrap it up how we normally do with some events you can see around the district. Ideally, can you give us three events people can look forward to? throughout the district three uh, over this next week three events okay so um our f- good friend josh cole is uh running for house of delegates in 2019 he announced his campaign kickoff it's going to be at 6 30 on sunday at here i'll tell you in w- one second so yeah josh cole campaign kickoff just because we're in Virginia. Oh, yeah, we should know this. It's at Liberty Town uh, Arts Workshop in Fredericksburg, Virginia. All right, so, yep. Uh, if you're in the area, um, if you want to support Josh Cole, please show up to that. Let's make this a fantastic event. I will be there. <coughs> Idella, you'll be there, too? I'll be there. <coughs> okay, so, yeah, people get out there and check that out. What else you got for us, Yeah, then? it might be a, a Team Edwin uh, reunion. Is it going to be a Team Edwin family reunion there? Yeah, it might be. It might be, so... All right, and there is also an event. Uh, this is hosted by Fairfax County uh, NAACP. Uh, this is uh, in Falls Church, Virginia, on July 12th. It's to stop criminalizing our kids and arming teachers. Um, so it, they're going to expand. Um, let's see. It looks like there's a there's an effort in Fairfax County Public Schools to to put more cops in the schools. So no that, thanks. Yeah, that that's that's not a good idea. So. They're going to have a forum about that. Um, that's extremely important. That's uh, on July 12th, Thursday, 5.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Uh, so if you're in the area, um, please attend that. That's very important. And then on uh, July 14th, which is Saturday, from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., there's the Hanover uh, Tomato Festival. Um, that's going to be uh, in Mechanicsville, Virginia. Uh, let's see, there will be... Vanjie Williams will be there for sure. Um, I'm not sure if there will be other candidates or who else will be there, but either way, that's a big event in Hanover. So um, if you like festivals, that's a good festival. Um, go ahead and attend that. You can find more information on the Hanover Dems uh, website, also on their Facebook. Again, that's Saturday the 14th, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. All right. Hey, thanks for sharing that with us, man. That is all we have for this week. Um, It's been great. We look forward to talking to you all next week. Uh, You've been listening to A New Dominion. I am Edwin Santana. And I'm Ayadele Okewa. And we are out.